Hello, and welcome to the future. I'm your host, Christo, and thanks for tuning in and downloading this podcast. To my right is Aaron Zakelli. Hello, everyone. You don't like being called the sidekick, right? Trusty sidekick doesn't sound cool. It's like Batman and Robin. Everybody needs their trusty sidekick, <laughs> and you don't like that. Is there any other cool sidekick beside Robin? There are, but maybe John Roth can help us out. John, sitting to my left. Hello. John, is there another... Tr- term for trusty sidekick he doesn't like that for well for some reason my mind instantly went to Tweedledee and Tweedledum no that's that doesn't really gosh. help so wait well you know there's Sherlock Holmes mm, that's a good one good one Watson was often superior to Sherlock yes. good one yeah, that's a good sidekick. see Watson will call you Watson today oddly enough our topic is going to be about the art of communication Oftentimes when things don't work out, uh, chain of command, something doesn't work out, people often say it's a communication issue. An email is interpreted incorrectly. It's a communication issue. So I'm going to throw this out there to you guys. What's something that you dreaded talking about? Or perhaps you're on the other side of that equation where somebody came and told you some bit of bad news and maybe they didn't choose the right words and it really hurt you, it offended you, something to that degree. And this is what we're going to really talk about, something that I think has helped me grow tremendously as an entrepreneur, as a leader, and as a public speaker, the art of communication. So who wants to start first? Who has an issue or something that was maybe so fraught with anxiety and made you feel tense inside that you dreaded over talking about it? It could be a breakup. Maybe you wanted to quit a job. Maybe you wanted to ask for a raise. Something like that, or maybe a subordinate wasn't performing up to a task that you had expected. It could be a designer, it could be a producer, it could be anything. Anybody want to share? Who wants to go first? Well, okay, so at one point I managed a department. Okay. And I had you, a You sound like you're not sure if you managed the department. <laughs> no, I did. Did you or didn't you? I, well, because the reason why I say department, quote unquote, because it was really a department of one, so I was just, it was just me and... I was managing myself. (laughs) I run a department too. (laughs) It's called the department of me. You can't run a department when you're managing yourself. That's like what is the sound of one hand clapping? Come on. Sorry. Okay. That's why the question mark was there. You know, these young kids out of school, and maybe when they're on the job, they're not really performing as you thought they would. And so, you know, having a difficult conversation of saying, hmm well, I don't think this is the right place for you. And it's really Mm. heartbreaking because, you know, you were there once, you know? Okay. So The situation is there are people that report to you and there's somebody or a group of people who aren't working out and you don't know how to tell them that. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, because it's kind of a difficult, uncomfortable situation. Okay. But Let me ask the group before we dive too deep into Cheryl's um, scenario here is, Aaron or John, have you guys been in a situation where you've had to either let go or reprimand a subordinate? Well, I, in the past, uh, when, I, when I was in school, I directed quite a few films, and there, was, uh, there were a couple times where the performances I was getting from the actors I wanted wasn't exactly what it needed to be. And there was one time where most of the time I, I was able to get something passable out of the actors, but there was one film I made where my lead my second lead actor just was not giving me at all what i needed and it was early enough in the production that i could 
get rid of him and still continue to make the project. Um, so there was a day on set where it was the second day where I, I pulled him to the side after a couple of takes. And I was like, look, we really need to try and, you know, get it this particular way, um, blah, blah, blah. I, I need this exact thing. And he was like, okay, okay, I fully understand. And the rest of the day, he just wouldn't give me the performance I needed. So I eventually had to cut him from the film. And the way I handle telling people things that uh, I don't want to say or they don't want to hear is I do it through humor. You obviously felt uncomfortable about talking about this. Sure, yeah. Because here's a guy who's trying to do his best. Of course. And he wasn't maliciously trying to ignore your direction. He just wasn't capable of taking the notes. Yeah. He or was, you he were was incapable doing... of delivering it to him. Correct. He, okay. we, were, we were each, uh, to each of our mindsets, doing the best we could. Right. Um, but this was my project. It was my vision, and I needed to get something very specific. And from this person, I couldn't get it. So what you're saying is... You accept that you had a role in that, but since it's your film, you couldn't replace yourself. Correct. So then you had to replace him. Correct. Okay. So I think we can all relate to this a little bit. There's someone who, who means well, is doing their best to please you, who wants to please you, but for whatever reason, it's not working out. Now, before we get into exactly what you said, I just want to give Aaron the opportunity in case he's had a similar situation centered around this you have to dismiss or reprimand or get rid of fire whatever word you want to use relocate well i guess where i'm at in my life i find myself in the position of the subordinate most of the time so i'm usually the one getting fired getting fired yeah <laughs> or i messed up or have you been so fired on before, that Aaron? side of it i don't think i've been fired but someone has been disappointed with the way i performed my end of the Whatever it was. Okay. Mm. We won't get into that just yet. Good. Okay. I can't wait. <laughs> I'm just saying just yet, not never. Just yet. It's going to happen. All right. Cheryl, you had an experience of letting some young subordinates go. And I actually disappointed situation. I, I mean, well, you avoided it. Was like, it. it was it was going to be it was a short-term type thing. Oh. So I was just like... I was just, you I let just the time let, ride out. Actually, yeah, I just let the clock run out. Okay. So tell me some of your feelings around why you didn't want to tell them. Try to articulate that. Stress. Give me more words. Words are good on the radio. They're really good. I love words. Stress. Describe the feeling inside. Um, my feeling was it would have been more stressful to go through the whole conversation than it would be to wait a week or two or however many well, days. I understand that. that. <laughs> it was like, and in terms of the money, the money wasn't significant so I was like okay. just I get well, that maybe I'm confused wait for what because it was like an internship oh so mm -hmm. their timeline was running out okay. I guess you guys weren't paying attention to the story <laughs> I don't know if the word internship was was was, was spoken yet. I didn't hear the word internship. it was like it was an entry it was like an entry level type type deal okay yeah, okay so. all right okay. so if you wouldn't have said anything he would have left in a week yeah, it was okay. yeah. So it was multiple it was people, right? No, no, no. It was just, just one. Just one. Okay, so one person. The timeline is ticking down. She knows she has a finite amount of time left with this person. She she decided to grin and bear it. But the part that we haven't illuminated yet is this whole notion of what you were feeling. So she said stress, and stress means lots of different things to people. Try to describe that. If if you're a child, how would you tell your your parent what you're feeling? What was it? Did you feel a knot in your stomach? Did you feel anxiety? Try to... Dread. Dread? Yeah. Okay. Give me a little bit more. So two um, words from you so far. Stress and stress, dread. Stress, dread. And those are two good words. Um, 
Well, when I thought about the confrontation itself, it was a lot of stress and dread and a lot of, and, and so I, I just, and, and I don't know how else to describe that. I, it was physically. Yeah. Well, no. well for me, and, and you know, you said you had a finite amount of time to do it. Uh, for me, uh, my decision also had to be made super quickly because, you know, we were only shooting for a couple days and this was uh, the beginning of the second day of shooting where I had to take down this or get rid of this actor. John had the exact opposite problem, which was the time was ticking down for him where you had time to kill. You right. had time on your yeah. side so you didn't have to make a decision. His was the exact opposite. Time and was running out. He had to make the decision. If my if the person was doing something that was really vital to my day-to-day -day operation and function of what I was doing, mm -hmm. then I probably would have said, "Hey, you know, we need to, we need to figure this out." But in the end, it really wasn't. So I was just like, "It's not worth the the confrontation." I was okay, being so non-confrontational. You're, you're a very how should I say this? A, a typical design creative person. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't like confrontation. We'll do as much as we can to avoid it. And this is the beginning of the problem of communication. So you subjugate your own feelings and your needs for that of another person. So they can walk blithely through and not even know that you're disappointed in them. And you're going to let time run out, which is fine. It's great. And with John, there was a real sense of urgency. And what I just heard him say was I had to focus on the result. That was going to give me the power because if I didn't act, my film would suffer and I'm not going to let my film suffer. Right. So you focus on the result. Maybe some of this is you don't want to be perceived as being mean and you, you might feel a sense of responsibility and guilt that they reported to you. So maybe you failed as a boss too and there's some responsibility of taking the livelihood of somebody away from them and making, diminishing their own self-esteem and self-worth. I'm trying to capture as many of these words because I think somewhere in here our audience is going to listen to this and feel like, oh yeah, that's how I feel and that's why I'm avoiding this. So this is good. I, I want to paint a more complete picture. Yeah, and I guess also having um, a certain level of empathy for the other person because I was in situations like I was, like I said, I had been in that situation where I was just, I was brand new. And, um, you know, I had maybe not the most uh, empathetic people I was reporting to or working with. And now you get yelled at, you feel like you get yelled at for absolutely no reason. You had no idea what you did wrong. You know, you're just like, why is she so mean? And so you're trying to, you're trying to, I know, you always want to do things better, you know, when you see your turn. And I, I, I wanted not to have that situation. So I just, you know, some things I would try to help, some things I just let go. And I just was like, you know, I'm not going to Really? Well, I guess in this case, you took one for the team in the sense yeah. that you wanted to be a better boss than your previous boss was, and you were going to swallow whatever inefficiencies. <laughs> no, right? that sounds so awful. But well, that's what you said. I, I think. I think. It was I a, think he. I think he. Well, I think on, the person got better at doing certain things, but it was like I didn't want to rehaul, re revamp the whole entire person. It's like, okay, we have a, we have weeks at the most here okay i'll help out where i can but i'm not going to stress and aaron did i paint that picture incorrectly or did you hear the same thing <laughs> what I, I did hear the same thing but what i was thinking is i mean because i feel like i'm putting myself in the shoes of this young man i'm guessing it was a man it's fine yeah and i would think that if i'm in an internship i'm kind of trying to learn so i would appreciate if someone told me hey man you're doing a real bad job and like, you know, you need to step up and this is what you're, these five things is what you're doing wrong. 
and you need to fix that and we're going to fire you or whatever because then I'll be like okay well I can't fix it now and next time you know it'll be better yeah at the very least it would be better to walk away knowing how you screwed up than not knowing at all and not being able not there's then there's no room for improvement there it's like maybe even he thinks he's doing a great job of course yeah, he's yeah. living in this delusional world like, <laughs> of course you gotta burst his bubble help him out well <laughs> i would appreciate if i were him i'd appreciate that and, and to okay. cheryl's defense most people say i want to get feedback and as soon as you tell them they get defensive and then deny it all and they fight mm-hmm. you on it and that's what she's thinking about as well i'm sure of it because i've unfortunately had to let a few people go in my day and they always ask what did i do wrong and i tell them that and then they argue with me so over the time i learned that you really don't want to know you're, you you want closure on the situation but you're not doing it because you want to grow you're not aaron you wanted to say something you're like looking at me um well i was thinking because when, re- when it's happened to me, when someone told me, burst my bubble, I thought I did good, but really I did bad, they gave me very specific things that I did wrong. And when they're really specific things, you can't really argue with those. No, people can't mm-hmm. trust me. Like, you didn't show okay. up on time. That's a very specific thing. They're like, yes, I have. People I like to argue, trust me. <laughs> I have showed up on time a few times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but... John, let's get back to your situation okay? because Cheryl avoided it. And this is important for our conversation Sure. because I think that is reflective of more of the people who are listening to this. And let's like dive back into your situation. The actor's got to go. How did you handle it? Uh, so, well, un- unfortunately, I can't remember literally verbatim the conversation, but... Uh, I'll no, take the gist of it. Nobody was there. Here's, here's the gist. Um, so it was, it was very uncomfortable for me because even though um, I try to... Uh, avoid bad confrontations as much as I can, which is a weird thing to say out loud because you'd think most people would try to avoid bad confrontations. Well, I especially look out for it. Um, So I definitely, at the start of the conversation, probably broke the ice with some weird random joke, but I basically, when I'm confronted, I have to be as straightforward as possible. And I just told him, look, um, I really appreciate you giving me your time and effort, but uh, this this hasn't been working out for, I didn't say vision because I didn't want to sound that pretentious, even though I'm a very pretentious person. Um, but this wasn't working out for my vision and I really appreciate the time you've given to me and should something come up in the future, I would love to, to work with you again, but for now I'm going to, I'm going to have to let you go from this project. He was a college actor working for free. He would have taken really any project. Um, so he didn't take it too hard, but for me, I was sweating bullets. Because okay. was, I was just uncomfortable. The, the Where was the time. joke in this? Oh, God. It was at I the beginning. I thought you said you handle everything with comedy. I, well, I handled it at the very beginning and then uh, got into the meat and potatoes. Oh, I'm not always funny. Okay. Interesting how you set that up for you guys to pay attention. First, tell me a little bit more about his reaction. How did he respond? Not verbatim. He was very professional. Uh, he, he was visibly a little down, but he was like, look, thank you for the opportunity. I'm sorry it couldn't work out. Um, he didn't punch me in the face, which was really good. But no, and, and we, we still talk every once in a while. So I, I think as nervous as I was about handling it, as much as I didn't want to do it, I must have done something right. Yeah, you got a good result out of it. Yeah. He was professional. He didn't punch you. He didn't and punch me. you guys are still in touch today. Mm-hmm. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. That's how you know it worked out. So did he like try to disagree with you like that I am doing a good job? It's just your crappy john he didn't he didn't disagree but he did ask like what he was doing wrong 
Um, so he asked some questions, I, I think, but I kind of just repeated what I was saying the previous couple days. Um, it was not fun. Hmm. How, what, Chris, when you've let people go in the past, is it, do you, like, what's your feeling when you, like, communicate that to them? Because are there people, like, you feel really bad about letting go? Or have there been people where you're just like, oh, man, I can't wait to let this guy go? Or not painting you as some guy who fires everyone. By the, by the way, by the way, please don't fire me. <laughs> I know. I know. And Chris is like, we're doing a talk about communication John Cheryl, I have something like, to talk to you about. Okay. Yeah. So I've gone through the whole arc of sure. how I feel. And I've had a lot of coaching, kind of personal development around this very issue. One of my issues was I didn't want to hire people because I knew if it didn't work out, I'd have to fire them. Hmm. So this is artificially holding back the company. And this is when Kier helped me out. And he said, you know, we have to help you get over this. And I'm going to teach you some ways in which you can fire people. But I'm going to describe to you the feeling that I have. And it dovetails into both what you guys have expressed already. But here's how I feel. My ears get really hot. I could feel the blood collecting there. Hmm. I can also uh, imagine if my the pores on my back and my head are opening up and this kind of I describe it as a stress oil, like it's getting released, these toxins from my body, and I'm feeling it. I'm feeling like my heart quickening, the pace is quickening. And this is way before I even have to tell anybody anything. And then I imagine the worst case scenario, which is what you were talking about, which is, oh my gosh, they're going to explode, these horrible things are going to happen, and who am I to like control this person's life, and who am I to judge? What are they going to do for work after this? I know they have responsibilities. They just moved here for some place or, or they're in a funky relationship and they're the sole breadwinner. They've got a kid they got to take care of. So all these things are stacking up in my mind. And the responsibility, I'm kind of building up. It's like, this is really big and important. I don't want to have this responsibility. And so that's why I shied away from hiring people. It's only when I absolutely knew that they're a great culture fit and they're an amazing, talented, creative person that was going to hire them. So let's begin then the transition about how to talk about this, okay? And I've gone through a pretty wide arc, and we're going to end this podcast with very actionable things for you guys that are listening to this, what you can do. So I think there's this thing too, like especially for men or professional people, I shouldn't just say for men, but for professional people, we have a sense of pride. Even if you don't love your job, if you're told you're not doing well, you feel like, oh, I got to prove that I am doing well. And if I'm going out, I'm going out because I quit, not because you fired me because I'm incompetent or because I'm insubordinate or whatever it is. People want to say, like, I did a good job. I just don't fit here anymore. So there's all these things. Okay, so let's cut to some of this stuff. What can you do? So I don't want this conversation to be the art of firing. It's the art of communication. So I'm going to go through some things. As often many things in our life, when we're afraid of something, when we have fear, we imagine the worst possible scenario happening. And that builds up so great in our mind in that echo chamber of our brain that we then think it's insurmountable. I cannot possibly humanly do this anymore. Let's talk about how we communicate. And I'm going to focus really on the things that are very difficult to say. If you're breaking up with somebody, if you're firing somebody, if you have to give somebody direction, something like that, where you know they're not going to love it. And the reason why I'm focusing on the negative is not because I'm a negative person. Telling somebody they did a great job, telling somebody you deserve a raise, or you made my day today, that's easy. We like to say those kinds of things. So we won't focus on that. Now, when I 
talk and teach people about being transparent. They often mistake being transparent as this, literally saying, in the spirit of being transparent, I don't think you're working out. I have to let you go. And most people will say, yeah, you are being transparent. That's not being transparent in the way that I understand it to be. Being transparent isn't about being direct or clear. It's about illuminating the parts that are not clear to anybody, giving visibility into your thinking. So when you say, you're not working out, I have to let you go, you have began the story at the end. That's the conclusion of what you've been thinking. So what I want you to imagine is, like if we're on a train, the train of thought, the caboose is what you're going to say. What's the engine? What's the thing that's driving what it is that you're about to say? Okay? And this begins in your gut. If you listen to Simon Sinek, he talks about it on a level of like how your brain works. He says the limbic part of your brain, your gut, the instinctual part, the thing, the decision maker, the thing that drives what you do and how you choose to do what you do, doesn't have language to describe it. Like when you walk into a room, you feel welcome, you're not sure why. When you walk into a room, you feel scared that your life might be in jeopardy. Or you meet somebody and you think, I cannot trust this person. Your brain is actually really good through you know years, millions of years of evolution to kind of figure this out, otherwise you wouldn't survive in the wild. You meet somebody, you're gonna kill you and you need to know that. So you're on guard, right? So this limbic part of your brain, the gut, the decision maker, knows something. And I would like to tell you that that's the engine. That's the head of the train. Now let's take Cheryl's situation because she avoided it, so it's a little easier for me to talk about it, and then I'll talk about John. So in your situation here, what is your gut, what is the emotional part of your center saying to you about this person? We would start there. Um, that they're trying hard and haven't probably been exposed to a lot of things. Okay. Now that's about them. I want you to talk about you, your feeling. Start with saying, I feel something. Okay, and fill in the blank. I feel what? I felt disappointed with their performance. Okay, now just say how you feel. About? The situation. Hmm. Not about how you feel about them, because that's judging, and that's hard for people to hear. Do you understand what I'm asking, Cheryl? Uh <laughs> so like... So you knew that you had to do something. What what feeling prompted that? Oh. We already talked about it. You already said it. That's why I asked you to do this in the beginning. Stress? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Right. You said two things. I feel stressed and I'm dreading having this conversation with you. Mhm. Mm that's the that's the the engine driving the train. There's no judgment there. And now it says to the other person, the ears perk up and say, well, oh my gosh, what is it, Cheryl, that's stressing you out and dreading you? But then I also know like something's coming. I know something is coming, so I'm preparing for it mentally. Now, what we talk about is oftentimes we do things on an autonomic level. We do things without having to think. Like when you drive, when you walk, when you breathe, you don't have to think about it. You know how difficult it is when you start to think about your breath, how difficult it is to breathe? Okay, we know that. So these things are happening on an autonomic level. So what we want to do is we want to slow down the train. Instead of going 60, 600 miles per hour, we want to slow it down. And instead of seeing this blur thing and ending on the caboose, we want to slow down and think about the engine 
and then the next car in the train, and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. So let's try that. So this is the part when, when I talk about and teach transparency and ways of communicating. You start at the engine. I feel stressed. I'm dreading having this conversation with you, and here's why. Go A, B, and C now, and then end at the caboose. So turn it back over to you. And we're going to do the same thing with John. Okay. I feel I, I feel stressed when I need to have you do an assignment because I'm not sure if it's going to be completed the correct way. There were certain skills I was hoping that you had or I thought that you had that it doesn't appear are as strong as they um, appeared to be during our interview or I perceived them to be during our interview. For that reason, I think for at, at this moment, we're probably not the right fit. I would recommend some courses on Linda.com. <laughs> and you laugh in their face. <laughs> and then you like laugh that. in their face. No. No wonder you didn't do it. No. Okay. You did a really good job. That seemed pretty good to me. It seemed pretty good. Pretty good. I'm going to give you some pointers to kind of sharpen it up. Okay. And keep in mind, all you guys listening, that this didn't happen overnight. I've been working on this. I've been coached. I've been doing my own thinking and practicing quite a bit. So I've had years of experience doing this, and, and I'm trying to teach you something that you can use today, tomorrow, and if you practice that, I think you can get quite good at it. So I'm going to take a stab at it, and you guys tell me how you feel, okay? All three of you guys. Okay. Okay? I'm going to be Cheryl, and I'm going to talk to your subordinate. We didn't rehearse this, so I'm just kind of thinking on the top of my head. We'll give this person a name. Let's call him Jimmy. Okay. Okay? Hey, Jimmy. Need to have a conversation with you, and I don't even know how to tell you this. I've been dreading this, and it's it's caused me a lot of stress. And I'm in this weird predicament because I know your internship with us wraps up in two weeks. But for a number of different reasons, I just don't think we're a good fit for each other. This is not really about you, or it's about me, but we're just not a good fit for each other. And I'm. Sorry to say this, and I feel horrible about even saying this, but I have to let you go. Maybe you guys can reflect on how you felt. Hearing that? Or either. Compare and contrast. I mean, whatever I, you want to do. I think uh, dr drastic, I can understand where you're coming from, but, but also, I mean, that's about as professional of a way as you can let someone go. Like, I, as upsetting as I would be hearing that, I would much prefer to hear that than the alternative is just like, uh, yeah, you suck. Get out of here. Like, that's more impulsive, spontaneous, and not very well thought out. Whereas the what Chris said, while the news I'm hearing is not great, clearly there was a lot of consideration put into the the thought of, of me getting let go. Okay. Well, that's very interesting that you said that, John. And I want to just respond to how you felt is that there wasn't any consideration because I had to deal with this situation right now, given the circumstances. So there wasn't weeks of preparation or script writing. I just started out with the gut, and I let the gut lead me. But rather than comparing the way I just said that versus the horrible way of doing that, which is you're stupid, you're fired, get out of my office, right? Mm -hmm. Compare and contrast that to what the difference and the nuance between the way Cheryl did it and the way that I did it. Did you hear any differences? Because I will tell you, but I want to see if you can pick that up. Maybe, Aaron, you have some insight on this. Hmm. Um, I felt like you, you, yours focused more on the fact that 
it's not a good fit between the both of us. Mm. Versus? Versus maybe Cheryl was saying, like, in more words than these, but you're not doing a good job. Yeah, Cheryl's okay. Cheryl's uh, 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 seemed like the blame, if you want to call it that, was placed entirely on the person, whereas you made it more of a mutual partnership in that this just isn't going to work with, with for both of us. So it's almost like uh, 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 easing the weight a little bit. Well, see, uh, the the thing that I've learned is I don't want to focus on specifics at this point. I want to get to the end. I want to have a little bit of a setup. And you notice I kind of glossed over any issues whatsoever. Because whether anybody intends it or not, but when you start to point out everything that's wrong with them, now I feel like I'm being attacked. And when you get attacked, you want to defend yourself. That's when people are like, no, I didn't. I showed up. And why is Mary getting a promotion? I'm getting fired. They get into this emotional thing. We know that it's emotional to begin with. What I want to do is I want to de-escalate the situation. I want to calm everybody down and keep it not emotional because it's already an emotional thing to begin with. I don't want to have a fight. I don't want to tell somebody they're lousy and all these kinds of things. I just want to say it's not a good fit. It's just not. I'm in a horrible position and I got to just let you go. And believe it or not, when I do this and I do this right, people apologize to me. I'm sorry that you had to make this decision. I'm sorry that I couldn't fulfill whatever the company needed. And then that opens the door for, you know, if you need a good referral, don't, don't be shy to ask me for one. I'd be more than happy to do that for you. And if I hear of a job opening that I think is a better fit for you, I'll let them know. And then they can, we can all walk away with our heads held high. Okay? And I want to tell you this a little bit. When my kids were a little bit younger, uh, whenever we would discipline our kids, I noticed something about my wife. And she would say, well, look at me. It feels like you're not paying attention. My kid would look down kind of to the corner. And I thought, yeah, you're right. It doesn't seem like he's paying attention. Like, look at me when I'm talking to you, when I'm lecturing to you. And I want to point out what you did wrong. I need to know that your eyes are looking at mine. And then, you know, I heard something really interesting. You know the way that dogs work in packs is that if you make eye contact, you're the alpha dog. And so they tell runners, when you're running in the street and you see a dog in the street, don't make eye contact with the dog. If you do, you challenge him and he's bound to lunge at you and bite you. So look away. Look to the corner. Keep your eye on him, but just don't challenge him. So I was thinking that in this hierarchy of mom, boss, whatever it is, parent, the other person just wants to be submissive to you mm -hmm. and you don't want to challenge them. So by saying, do you know what you did? This is how you failed. You didn't do this and you, I just can't trust you. You're almost asking them to look at you back in the eye and to challenge you mm -hmm. rather than letting them look away. Because that's what they, we all know what the power structure is like. There's no point in beating our chest and berating the person. Let them slip out with grace, held, head held high. And so when they go home and they tell their boyfriend, girlfriend, mom, dad, cousin, things didn't work out. We're not a good fit. Versus, mom, Cheryl let me go. She said, I wasn't doing a good job. I can't be depended on. And whatever two other things that Cheryl said. And that's when mom says, well, screw Cheryl, screw that company. I'm gonna call our employment attorney tomorrow. That's a wrongful dismissal because you're in anything but those things. Oh my God, so then this thing is not gonna get put to bed. 
Then Cheryl gets pulled into the office by her supervisor, like, what did you do to Jimmy? Mm -hmm. We have an appointment lawsuit right now. Wrongful dismissal? What? All these kinds of things. So I want to remove the parts where I'm accusing somebody to draw them into a fight. You don't realize it, but that's what's happening. And I've gone against this advice before only to pay for it. I swear to God, there's a woman who worked for me. Very talented designer. She just wasn't showing up to work on time. Come in a little late, leave a little early, lunch is a little long. I pulled her into my office and I said, you know, here's the deal. You're super talented, but I can't have you if you don't show up. It's just professional for you to give me a good seven hours every day or a good eight hours. That's all I want from you. And if I have to talk to you about this again, because I've warned you twice now, it'll be the last time we have this conversation. Do you understand me? Yeah, I totally understand you. Comes in late, comes in late. Take a deep breath. Called this woman into my office. I said, you know what, I gotta let you go. She asked me why. I said, do you remember that conversation from before? I don't want to get into the details. She goes, no, what are you talking about? And I said, you know, you're not coming in on time. People are always wondering where you are. He goes, no, that's not true. I like I showed up on time on Tuesday, on Thursday. She, we get into this whole thing. I'm like, you know what? <laughs> what? I see yeah. where. <laughs> yeah, Tuesday, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. She, you know you're this is what's going on. She's like digging in, because it's natural for us to defend ourselves. We feel our character is being attacked, and that, that's the last time I made that mistake. So when we want to dig in. I'm just like, you know what? I think we've gone over this. I don't think it's productive for me to talk about it. I really don't. You know, why don't you go home, collect your thoughts, and at another time, weeks from now, we'll have a conversation about it. I'll be able to tell you, and I think we'll be, be a lot happier for it. So I don't want to give him that reason. Now let's get to John. Okay. Let's get to me. Right? So John is feeling all these things. Now let's see if John can apply what he learned here. Let's, you do the conversation again. Okay. You're going to talk to your actor, so speak right into the mic and pretend you're in the moment again. And... Let him know that he's worthless. Hey, man. Um, so this has been really fun so far. Um, God, I wish I could remember <laughs> the joke I let off with. But anyway, um, we'll, we'll call him uh, Daryl. That was not even close to his name. Uh, hey, Daryl. Um, so unfortunately, uh, the vision that I had for this project uh, is not working out so far. And... Uh, and as much as you know, I, I really liked your audition. Um, what what we're doing here isn't clicking the right way for me, um, and it's it's uh, it's very much my vision that that just isn't working out for the both of us. Um, and uh, unfortunately, I'm, we're going to have to part ways here, and I'm going to have to uh, find someone else who who will be able to uh, collaborate with me a, a little better. Um, I hope that should something work out in the future, uh, we could work together again. Um, boy, I could remember. I wish I could remember where the the exact conversation I had because Chris is giving me some wild hand <laughs> gestures right now, telling me that this You're is really just cool. the absolute worst. <laughs> no, I'm telling you, wrap it up. Right, yeah. I, now you guys, you guys can't see this on the radio, but John's face is really red right now. It's he's, true. He's got a pretty fair complexion, and he's bright. Bright red like a tomato. I just relived this horrible situation in my head, and I never want to go back. Let's review a little bit. The interesting thing to me, and somebody else tell me I'm crazy here, is that 
John barely changed how he approached it. It would almost sound like a carbon copy with more detail and more fluff at the end. Anybody want to agree or disagree? Yeah, I, I was thinking, you were just reminding me of something that I've thought of, which is like when someone's going to give me bad news, if they like really dress it up and they talk to me like in this kind of voice, like, mm, <laughs> ooh, like, I'm sorry, like, ooh, it just annoys me more because it's like you're like, you're beating around the bush. Me. You're yeah. beating around the you're just bush. Beating around like, the bush. I'm a man. I can take it. I'm a it. man. Give me it straight. You know, like just tell me what's up. You don't like my performance, and you're gonna have to let me You know what that's go. like? That's like when the doctor comes back with the test results, and he slaps on the latex glove, and you say, "Give it to me straight." Or doctor. he like opens his folder, and he gives me that face, like, mm, "I got some bad news." And he closes it, and he scratches it. <laughs> just spit it out, man. Like, well, what's funny is that the the actual conversation went pretty well in real life but me mm -hmm. recalling it now right. I would have punched me in the face <laughs> if I had heard that like, <laughs> well some of us might have to punch you in the face yeah. so remember how I said to you guys be aware of your feeling that gut John didn't start there nope start there illuminate what's going on okay you're feeling insecure Feel bad you're, you're feeling guy. like time is slipping away and you're feeling horrible you're feeling bad you're feeling all these kinds of things but you're not talking about them I don't know if it's because I'm older than you guys, I know I'm older than everybody in this room, is that I'm okay with being me and I'm okay with somebody liking me or not liking me because I just, honestly, I just really don't care. It's hard enough for me just to like me. I got no time to try to impress you at this point. And so I try to say to the person and have a level of awareness and being present to talk about, I'm aware that this is happening in my mind and I'm gonna tell it to you right now. I'm gonna go through the steps, and then when I arrive at the conclusion. But I'm not gonna wait for an hour to reach the conclusion because that's like painful. And then people lose everything. We know that our attention span is fairly short. So we gotta get to it. We gotta get to it fairly quickly. I was just gonna mention that you said it's because you're older that you're kind of more present to how you feel. But like something key that I feel like maybe you glossed over a bit is like the engine. Just describe the engine, but like I think maybe with John, we kind of just saw it too, and I'm the same way. I don't know how to accurately explain the engine. Is there an engine? <laughs> Who's yeah, driving I don't this know train? How to, yeah, Is there a I conductor? Don't know to, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm in the caboose, and I don't know what's going on up in the front of the train. Well, so what is that me? an issue of? I don't know. <clears throat> like, I don't know. Communication. Self-reflection? Yeah, when like you, understanding when you, how you feel. That's okay. really hard. Mm -hmm. If I knew how I felt and I could explain to you, I would totally do it. Well, that's why we're, we're talking about this right now is that it's been this way for me for a very long time to crawl back into my own brain and to ask myself, is this what I want to think? Is this how I want to feel? I think I told you this story before, Aaron. Even when I was a little kid, probably eight or nine years old, I lost some money from a birthday or Chinese New Year. It was like, say, 20 bucks. And 20 bucks to a kid 30 years ago, that was a substantial amount of money. Yes. And, and like, I felt horrible. I was like, where did I put this money? I asked everybody, did you see it? I was thinking somebody stole it. Like, then I was thinking, would my family, my own family members steal from me? I was careless. I left this money somewhere. And... It was tearing me up inside. I was feeling the knots in my stomach, that kind of pang, this nervous, like everything was really tight, fidgety. And I was thinking, I have this horrible feeling. I think it's called regret. It's called regret 
And I crawled in my own brain and said, well, as much as you regret losing this, will it ever reproduce the amount of money that you lost? And I remember thinking, no, it won't. No amount of regret. So then I started making this decision, regret is a useless emotion. Having this dialogue with myself at nine, 10 years old, this is really about crawling into your own brain and thinking about this, being mindful. And you, you asked me, is mindfulness really important? Yes, it is. Because you need to know how you think and why you think what you think. Because if you don't like it, you can make a change. So if you're living in the caboose, communicating from the caboose, making decisions in the caboose, that's not a great place because it's being pulled by the train and you have no idea where it's going. And this is the critical part. So sometimes it's about maybe not having the vocabulary, the words, or maybe it's just because we haven't done enough thinking about the things that we think about. Take a moment, reflect on the things that you think about. Why did you choose to go left versus right? Put on this shirt versus that pant. Why do you respond the way you do to outside stimulation, especially change? Do you tend to recede, run away from change? Do you tend to embrace it, run towards change? All these things are things that you should become aware of and to at least know you're making a deliberate decision. Now, I've gone to see a therapist probably about a dozen times or so. And the therapist taught me lots of different things. One of the things I learned was that a lot of how we behave and react in our life as an adult is actually connected to a past memory in a moment. So when we meet, let's say, um, this is totally hypothetical here, let's say a woman that's really bossy and it makes you angry, almost like violently angry. It's not because she's bossy, it's probably because your mom was really bossy to your dad or to you and you were powerless as a child to react to that. And now in your adult life, anything that reminds you of that, even though you love your mom to death, anything that reminds you of that drives you up the wall. But oddly enough, you're still attracted to women like that. It's this weird dichotomy. So until you recognize that, you only fall in love with women like that who will then only drive you crazy. So this is where the awareness becomes a powerful tool for you. We like things that are familiar to us. So oddly enough, and I don't, I don't know anything about this, but people who do know, children that are survivors of alcoholics, parents, tend to be in relationships where they're either the alcoholic or they're supporting an alcoholic because it feels familiar to them. And it's this weird thing. If you have an abusive parent, you wind up being an abuser or in an abusive relationship where you're at the bad end of that. It just is familiar. And the last podcast, we talked about culture and how there wasn't a culture fit here at the company. And that was because there are certain people who grew up in really dramatic households. There was drama all the time. So when they came to the office, they felt unstable when everything was running really smoothly. So when nothing was going wrong, they would invent something to go wrong. They would compare. They would say, I was really happy, but then I noticed Johnny's doing that job, and why, why didn't you pick me for that job? Well, you were really busy. Well, no, I wasn't. I mean, I could have taken on more. You should have asked me. Whoa, that's going to drive me crazy. And it did drive me crazy. We'd all be really super successful, all of us in this room. But we got a couple of hangups that are holding us back. Maybe I'm successful because I've been able to look at who's driving and make different decisions in my life. The art of communication. Illuminating to others what you're thinking about. Start with the gut and break it down. I'm going to give you guys all one very simple exercise to do that you can practice this concept on, right? When, when, you, go out to, with, when you go out with your friends, 
and somebody asks you, and this inevitably will come up, where would you like to eat? Don't say tacos. Don't say Japanese. Don't say sushi. Start with your gut and start to break down and slow down your thought process. We all make these decisions, but we don't think about why we make those decisions. So I'm going to ask John. John, hey, where would you like to eat? Pizza. <laughs> Thanks for total failure right there. <laughs> I went with my gut. My gut said pizza. He started at the caboose. Sorry, yeah. I got to become an engine person. <laughs> yeah, so I want, I want you to practice. Hold on. I'll let you get your butt in okay. there. Okay. Let me, let me process this. Where would you like to eat, John? I would like Padrino's Pizza. After, after cold calculation. Cheryl, tell him what he did wrong again, please. I love this. You started at the caboose again. I started at the caboose. You're always at the caboose, dude. Yeah, yes. let's see what you're in. Let me ask you, Aaron. Aaron, where would you like to eat? Well, I'm, I really got a hankering for some Indian curry right now. But I was looking in the mirror the other day, and I see I'm a little chubby, so I kind of want to go somewhere healthy because I'm trying to get into this health vibe. So... I don't know. What do you think? Maybe something healthy? Cheryl, tell him how he did. I think he did pretty good. No. Does that talk to him? <laughs> just be so easy on Aaron. <laughs> Here's the thing. This is a practice session. So whether or not you want to say pizza or Indian or curry or whatever you want to say, the idea was try to illuminate your thought process. So you can't illuminate your thought process if you start at the end. That's, that's the beginning of this conversation. I said the mistake a lot of people make is they start at the end, they start at the conclusion. So now I'm gonna react off that conclusion right away. You're supposed to start at the beginning, okay? I'm gonna practice on Cheryl. We're gonna to try to be transparent, we're gonna illuminate the parts that are not visible, and we're gonna start at the beginning. Cheryl, where do you wanna eat? Something well, healthy. Here's the answer to this very simple question. Okay. And 99% of the time, all you wanna say is pizza, Indian curry, or whatever it is you wanna say. Okay? I'm gonna start with my feeling. The gut was not your hungry gut, the gut was a feeling gut. So you went straight for like, I'm hungry, I want pizza. The feeling would be, that's an intriguing question that you're asking me and I'm a little confused about how I should even answer this question. There's a level of self-awareness right there. I'm wondering if you're asking me because you really wanna know where I wanna eat. I'm also thinking about the considerations of the other people in this room. Are we all going out to eat together? Do we need to pick something close by? Are we gonna all go out and come back? So do I need to consider something quick? Or are you just asking because you're being really kind and you don't really care what I have to say? But if you're asking me, I would like to get pizza. So there's a whole chain of thoughts that, you're, that are happening on an autonomic level that okay. you're not even aware of. That's what I'm saying, to be aware of what you're thinking about. Do you understand this, you guys? Yeah, no, I, I, I get it now. Because these are things we, like asking someone if they actually want to know if we're hungry or not, like that's something we'd never say out loud. So like I, saying, I how are you today? It's like, do you really want to know how yeah, I am today? Yeah, exactly. Or so I get the exercise. Yeah. The exercise is just help you guys become more aware of your own thought process. Yeah. Because you're always living in the caboose. At least move up a couple of notches in the cars. Work towards the train, the engine that's driving this thing, the conductor. And... We're aware of a lot of social cues, and we're wondering a lot of different things, but you guys aren't saying that. So when you say you're fired, Jimmy, 
uh, you're fired, Daryl. You're just going straight to the end. You're not aware of like how this makes you feel. Because when you express how you feel, there's a chance that somebody will empathize with you. Right? They'll empathize with you, and then you take yourself through a logical progression of things. Now, I've noticed this. Whenever I go and speak, I'm a little nervous. I really am. I'm uncomfortable. And I'm a little stressed out. Each time I do it, I get a little bit less stressed out. So when I'm there and I feel uncomfortable, I'm just going to let the audience know I'm uncomfortable. And I'll start off with saying something like this. I have to admit that I'm a designer and being in front of you all makes me really nervous right now. I see a lot of eyes staring back at me and I'm afraid and I don't know what to say and that you're all wasting your time. Okay? Now I'm just being fully transparent but hopefully I can work through this and you won't judge me too critically. So who's going to complain or who's going to like cut you off or say this is lame? The person who's thinking about getting up and walking out on this might stay a little bit longer because they have some context. And the art of you saying that, the act of you saying that, not the art, excuse me, the act of you saying it gives you permission now to be okay, to be comfortable in now doing your presentation. It's an odd thing. Because I also have this other idea, this theory, that in your mind, you're battling with yourself. That you want to be perceived as something, and you don't want them to see that you're nervous and uncomfortable and not a polished speaker. And the, the two images of yourself, where you are and where you'd like to be, is what's messing you up. So the instant you kill that other version, to let that part go, you can actually be more comfortable, more confident. And you're gonna end it, and people are gonna applaud, They'll feel better just knowing that you're a real human being, you're super relatable. And they're like, what are you talking about? That's an act. You're not nervous. You're not stressed out. That was amazing. It's because you allowed yourself to admit that. If you're feeling uncomfortable, talk about what it is that you're feeling. Put your cards on the table. You understand, Cheryl? So in each and every one of our cases, had you gone to Jimmy and said, Jimmy, this is really awkward and weird for me. I know that there's only two weeks left, but this isn't working out. So I'm kind of in this uncomfortable position that I just have to let you go. Done. He understands you. He relates to you. He understands that you're a human being. You're not a robot saying, Jimmy, you're done. He's like, well, there's only two weeks left. Can you let me hang out? You've already taken all of that off the table. And you've given yourself room to be a human being. With John, it's like, here's how I would do it if I were John. Because we didn't cover that yet, right? Hey, Daryl, I, I know you're doing this as a kind of first-time actor. I'm kind of a first-time director as well. And I'm not sure if it's you or it's me, but I'm not getting what it is I hoped for. And I don't know how else to tell you this because I've tried directing you and I fully accept that it could be me. But since I can't fire myself, <laughs> I got to let you go. That right? was 150 times better than whatever <laughs> I babbled before. I just, I just got to let you go. And, you know, hopefully we can continue to work together later. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll learn more things. But I hope you don't have any hard feelings. Daryl says to you, dude, that sucks. But cool, I understand. I understand, bro. You're struggling. I'm struggling. That's it. No kind of babbling, slipping on ice at the end there. It's like dragging it on and on. And like, you're great. You're a good human being. <laughs> you know, we don't have to drag it on. And you, you fully admit what you're afraid to say, mm -hmm. which is, 
I'm kind of an amateur too, and I'm just working on this, but I, I can't get rid of myself. I either gotta get rid of you or me, and it ain't gonna be me. <laughs> and I, I try to Don't fire myself. Like yeah, you can say I try to fire myself, but it didn't work. <laughs> so I guess I have to let you go. I gotta get somebody else. Okay, I'm sorry. There's urgency behind this. Uh, we're we're running out of daylight or whatever it is. <laughs> so hurry up we're, and we're, you know so get out of here. Actually, Bobby's already here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we already got your replacement. Uh, so. Will you give him your clothes? I mean, it's, it's all good, right? So I'm gonna take that as a cue to wrap up this session. And really, I hope you guys got a lot of value from the art of communication. I think it's one of the critical things, especially as we live in a digital age. You can use the same principles that we're talking about in written forms of communication in digital form as well. I think it's important to give people context and it gives you permission to be you. And I think that's really important. All right, before we tune out, I wanna thank Aaron, John, and Cheryl for joining us. Let us know what you guys think of the podcast. If you have any feedback, suggestions for the show, hit me up on Twitter and everywhere else at the Chris Doe. And be sure to check out our YouTube channel. It's now under youtube.com slash the future is here. See you guys online. Thanks for tuning in and listening to us and spending a part of your day with me. Really appreciate it. And I want to talk a little bit about how we're able to do this. So the future is made possible by some of our lovely sponsors and partners, one of which is Pond5.com. If you guys need to get some stock footage, After Effects presets, Pond5 is the place to go. And the future is also made possible by Matthew Encina, Greg Gunn, Scott Rothstein, Nicole Wasserman, and the entire blind staff, which I would not be able to do fun stuff like this and spend the day with you without their support because they run the business for me. The man behind the scene, the man with the plan, Aaron Zakelli. He's responsible for recording this, engineering it, doing the sound design, the editing. He pretty much makes this podcast possible. You can find him online as well. And of course, I have to thank Adam Sanborn, the person who composed and wrote the piece of music that you're listening to. You can find him at adamsanborn.com. <laughs> <laughs>